got a few announcements as we get rolling here. Um, actually, more than a few. Uh, one is we've been working our way through a Bible reading plan, and we have bookmarks that are available on the app. Uh, you can simply click on the scripture, and it'll take you to the daily scriptures, or um, on the website, you can print off the actual bookmark with the, uh, the daily reading plan if you want to continue in that with us. Um, if you're newish or newer to Restore, we'd love to have your contact info. You can fill out a connection card, which are in the programs when you came in, or you can do that via the app. You can download our app by searching We Are Restore on your uh, smartphone device. And we've got a few things happening throughout the summer, so we want to make sure you're in the loop. If you're not receiving emails or push notifications, write that on your connection card because we want to make sure we've got the correct contact info for you and and that you're in the loop on what's happening. Um, A few exciting things that are happening. Neighborhood collectives have launched. Um, Those have been um, really impactful for those who have been participating. We've seen the numbers grow um, in, in our neighborhood collective each week. They meet on the first and third weeks of the month. So one neighborhood collective meets on Sunday nights, the first and third Sundays of each month. The other one meets on the first and third Monday nights, and that's at the Howard's house. The Sunday night one meets at the living room. Our next round is going to be July, July 7th and 8th. There's food, discussion, prayer, and it'll bring your soul some life. If, uh, it's also really, I think, a great opportunity to connect deeper with the Restore Church community. Another opportunity that we have started is English uh, lessons for uh, Spanish-speaking immigrants, specifically refugees from Central and South America who are seeking asylum in the U.S., restarting their lives here. A very practical and powerful way to help them restart their lives is to help them learn this language. And we started that a couple weeks ago. Um, It's been really powerful. I think our average attendance has been around 25, 28 refugees per night. And it's something you don't have to speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Um, And there's quite a few volunteers who don't. Um, If you don't speak Spanish but you want to help, we'd love for you to still come. You'd be a huge impact uh, on on what we're doing there. And that's Wednesday nights at the living room from 7 p.m. to 8.45-ish every week or every Wednesday for the next two weeks. And then we are, they've already asked us to continue those, so we are trying to figure out, okay, how do we do that? Because one thing, I used to be a public school teacher, and I forgot how time-consuming and hard it is to write a lesson plan, especially when you don't speak Spanish and you don't have a degree in Spanish education. Mine's in English education. So it's like, wow, this is a lot of work. But we want to try to figure out how we can continue to be a blessing to these people. So... I'm not sure what's going to happen, but so far it's been a resounding success, and we want more people to be involved. July 14th, we're having a team dinner and scavenger hunt. So if you serve in Kid City or on our environment team, we'd love for you to be there. We want to celebrate you with free food, and we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do an adult scavenger hunt. Child care will be provided for the kids that night. If you want to get more involved at Restore, we would love that. We'd love for you to come to that, and you can hear about kind of what our vision is for Kid City and for our environment team as we approach the fall and as we continue to improve upon and make some tweaks and adjustments. We're really excited for that and what, what's coming up. And uh, we sent a, an evite out to, our, uh, to all of our emails, our database emails. So please respond to that evite, RSVP. Um, in a perfect world, we'd love to hear from you by Tuesday so that we can get a head count and, and know who, who's coming and get, get food and child care prepared. And... 
Speaking of our Kid City team, our elementary age is taking a breather. They're going to be joining us throughout the summer, so you're going to notice the older kids hanging out in here. Next Sunday, we have a Sabbath Sunday. We're not meeting. We're resting. We're into rest around here, so we're going to chill. No worship gathering next Sunday, June 30th. We'll be back in action on July 7th will be our next worship gathering. And then finally, uh, also in an email we sent out today, there's a three-question survey, and we're going to send out it again probably later this week in case you didn't get it. Uh, a three-question survey, we're, think, we're heavily considering moving back to Sunday mornings for our Sunday worship gathering time. We would love your thoughts on that, so please give us your feedback on what you think. There's a couple of like multiple choice questions, and then there's a comment box, so you can write like an entire expose of comments if you would like. We'd love to hear your opinions, your thoughts, your perspectives. It'll help us be strategic about that. That's it. That was a lot of announcements. Last night, I went on a little YouTube deep dive. Is there anything better than a YouTube deep dive where you just get lost in YouTube? I got lost in the band Rush. All right. Anybody, I just started watching all these different live videos from the band Rush because um, I love Rush. And Carrie wouldn't let me listen to him in the car the other day because she said, quote, the song Tom Sawyer annoys me. I am appalled that she said that. But the band is amazing. I'm particularly fascinated by their drummer, Neil Peart. Um, and a lot of the YouTube videos and the concerts, they have like an overhead cam of showing him doing his drumming. And I'm going to show you a picture of his kit. I don't know anything about music, but when I watch him play, I'm like, I don't know anything, but that guy looks amazing. Like, I, I can't imagine being able to do what he's doing on a drum kit. I've never seen a kit like this, um, and that, this is just one example of one of his kit pieces, and I counted, there's 32 pieces to his kit, including a double bass drum, and it's clear to me when I watch Neil Perp play the drums that he has a God-given talent toward, for music. I, he's worked hard, obviously. He's in one of the greatest bands ever, uh, but his natural ability is there. He does stuff on the drum kit that I think he's known as maybe the world's greatest drummer or one of the world's greatest drummers. It's clear that God gives human beings natural talents. Like many of us have different talents or natural gifting towards different areas. But there's also more to this life than just natural giftedness. As Christians, there's something more in the New Testament. There's this kind of supernatural thread, so to speak, that's running through the New Testament, and it's kind of a thread over the coming five weeks that we're going to pull on. You ever make that mistake? You start pulling on a thread, and just like, whoa, here we go. But that's a thread we're going to pull on in the New Testament. It's a thread of power and gifting that we've never talked about actively in a teaching series in Restore. And honestly, in many churches, they don't, do, they don't talk about the spiritual gifts that we see in the book of Romans or in the book of Corinthians or some in like, I think in first Peter, because honestly, a lot of churches think these gifts are extinct. They think they're like kind of time stamped for first century Christianity at restore. We don't believe that we believe the new Testament was the starting point and that there's a growth and a narrative that is launching out of what Jesus started. And so we're going to pull on that thread and see what happens because not only are the spiritual gifts alive and well, but when we dust them off and consider what they are, how they are used, what they are for, they will shine with brilliance. And that's the name of our series is Brilliant. Over the coming five weeks, we're going to work our way through the different passages in Scripture that talk about the spiritual gifts, all right? Because the Holy Spirit is brilliant in the dispersal 
of brilliance. And these gifts are meant to fit together like a puzzle. They're truly complementary when the church activates and embraces all of these gifts. It's a truly an empowering movement and an actual community of good news when these gifts are unleashed. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, Paul begins the announcement of these gifts by saying, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So he makes a point of guiding all these gifts back to the Heavenly Father, to Christ, to the Holy Spirit, to the Trinitarian nature of God. And then Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers and philosophers, he said, a spiritual gift is a particular function in which supernatural power is exercised. So I would encourage you to read the rest of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. That's the biggest chunk in the Bible in regards to spiritual gifts. We're going to hit some of the other ones over the coming weeks. Uh, we read the entire chunk from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and also parts of 14 last week. So I'm not going to read that all over again because it's pretty long, but I am going to summarize what briefly what we talked about last or what Paul talks about in those books. So first, spiritual gifts aren't inherently natural. That's a big one. They're given as an empowerment by the Holy Spirit. They're not possible by mere natural effort. They are distributed by the Holy Spirit. So if you go back and you read the creation account in Genesis, all right, when everything was perfect, you're not going to see spiritual gifts mentioned because they weren't needed then. All right, these are gifts <clears throat> that have been given in addition to biology and genetics. These are supernatural gifts given after the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Christ. When he said, my spirit will be with you always, and then the spirit started delegating and giving these gifts to the individuals of the church. And so what we've got is a, our spiritual gifts that are designed to be used to bring the earth and humanity back into balance, back into the rhythm that God originally designed in, at the very beginning. Second, Paul reveals why they exist. He says in summation of chapter tw- in 1 Corinthians 12, he says they exist for the growth and the health of the church. And then in 14, he reveals they exist to bring more people into relationship with Christ. And then third, he emphasizes that the gifts should not be neglected or compete with one another. Right, he also alludes to the fact that you may have gifts you don't necessarily desire. That's part of it. There's going to be moments where you have an inherent gifting and you don't feel like using it. And that's why Paul continues to bring it back to it's not for you. It's for the communal good for the church and for the world. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about God. It's about God. And he keeps bringing it back, taking the focus off the individual, which in a highly individualistic culture is a major tension for us. All right. Because we're all natural narcissists and want to make everything about us. It's hard to think about the communal good and about submitting what we've been gifted to the greater good of what God is trying to do and the story he's trying to write. And that's what Paul points out in Corinthians. So over the coming weeks, we're going to attempt to define these gifts and consider how the Spirit intends to use them and also be wary of the shadow side of these gifts that God has given us because there is a shadow side. And it would do us well and do you well to consider how your spiritual gifts relate within the church, all right, restore, 
the church, like capital C in general, like anytime you come in contact with other Christians, think about your friendships, your work, uh, your classroom, for those of you kids that are in the room, uh, your marriages, your neighborhood. Think about how these gifts play out in all these different spheres because God intends for us to use these in a holistic manner. They're not just meant to be compartmentalized to one section of our lives. So I spent some time this week trying to categorize the spiritual gifts, which is not easy because there's 26 of them. And we're not going to do a 26-week teaching series on the spiritual gifts. That would be a bit too much. Um, I've, bro- I've tried to break them down into categories. And these are the names I came up with them. The heavenly gifts, the practical gifts, the physical gifts, the next level gifts, and the relational gifts. Now, the gifts are like tools, Okay. Tools in the hands of a minister. Each of you is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are tools that are in your tool belt as you kind of participate in the story, as you kind of go to work, so to speak, for God. So the heavenly gifts are discernment, faith, miracles, interpretation, and tongues. The practical gifts are giving, administration, leadership, knowledge, and wisdom. The physical gifts, service, craft craftsmanship, creative communication, healing, and helping. I had a hard time naming this category. I went with next level gifts, martyrdom, voluntary poverty, celibacy, and prophecy. And then the relational gifts, mercy, exhortation, hospitality, teaching, and apostleship. So we're going to group those over the coming weeks together. And this week, we're going to start with the physical gifts. That's going to be our category. So craftsmanship, creative communication, healing, helping, and service. So in junior high and high school, when we would get home from school, um, my brother would immediately turn on PBS, and we would watch Bob Ross. And uh, there's a picture of Bob Ross. anybody, Anybody remember Bob Ross? Anybody else watch him occasionally? He passed away in the mid-90s, but his show continued. They just kept the reruns coming. Um, he was kind of like the Mr. Rogers for adults, you know? Like, that's kind of how he felt. There was nothing like his soft, relaxed voice and his paintings of trees, mountains, and lakes to ease the stress of the day in a life of a teenager. Like, hormones going crazy, drama abounding, girls dumping you, vice versa. And it's like, okay, Bob's going to bring everything back into balance with his trees and his lakes and his mountains. It was evident, now that I think back on it, not at the time, but it was evident now that he had the spiritual gift of craftsmanship. Often ending his show, he would say, God bless, and you felt like he really meant it. You're like, well, I think he really means that. He's not just saying it. And we've all experienced someone who has said that to you, and you're like, I don't believe you. Like, you're saying words that sound good, but the, the way you're saying them, I don't believe you. But Bob, I felt like he really meant it. Because there's something, um, I, I want you to get a taste of his craftsmanship. So we are going to watch a minute and 15 seconds of Bob Ross. And I want us to kind of just try to feel the supernatural gifting of craftsmanship through this short clip of Bob Ross. Take a look. Welcome. Certainly glad you could join me today. Thought today we'd just do a fantastic little painting that I think you'll really enjoy. So let's have them graphically run all the colors across the screen that you need to do this project with me. And we'll go on up here and get started while they're doing that. And do these little X's. See? Little X's. There. 
That's just the way the teacher used to grade my paper in school. She'd just run across it and go, ch -ch 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 -ch. just think about that when you're doing it. Little X's. Okay. Slide on the canvas. It'll move. A lot of paint in the brush. Okay, let's go. Up here, you have to make a big decision. Where does a tree live in your world? Look around and decide, there he is. There he is. Maybe he's got a little mm, crook right there in the bottom. Just make up little stories. Give these trees names and stuff. Make them your friends. Make them your friends. Talk to them. It doesn't matter if people think you're crazy, you know. Painters are noted for being a little weird anyway. We can get away with things like that. If I acted normal, nobody would know me. There. Don't you immediately feel more relaxed just a minute in to watching Bob Ross? 30 minutes, you could watch that easily. So craftsmanship is to make, construct, fix, or build things. Um, if you have this spiritual gift, you might be drawn to architecture, engineering, construction, creative design, culinary arts. You want to make, <clears throat> and you have the ability to do it. My grandpa had definitely had the spiritual gift of craftsmanship. He was an avid gardener and carpenter. Um, if any of you know Ryan Maine, sometimes he leads worship. Uh, he went on a, a trip, uh, one of our Greece trips, to serve Syrian refugees a few years ago. He's a general contractor. He's really handy. He can fix, build pretty much anything. <clears throat> People who went on this trip were amazed at the spiritual gift of craft, his craftsmanship. And Kerry said he was so efficient, so hardworking, always kept a cool, calm attitude, unlike you. Ha ha. That's what she said about me. And she said, which really showed how supernatural his gifts were to him. They flowed from him. And I'm sure you can think of people that have this spiritual gift. One aspect of each gift that I want to explore throughout this series is how does each gift have the ability to have a supernatural effect on the world? So one particular beautiful effect of craftsmanship is that it takes time and focus. It draws your focus in a very mesmerizing way. Like that's how I felt watching Bob Ross do a painting like whoa like you just kind of get sucked into it and often I think the spiritual gift of craftsmanship opens up these mental spiritual and emotional doors that help us see the beauty around us it slows us down to participate or observe in the spiritual act of craftsmanship I was always amazed at how deliberate and intentional my grandpa was I actually have a vivid memory of him combing my hair one morning before school and how deliberate he was being in it. And I'm like, I am never like this. Like, I don't even, and it, 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 it froze my mind. Like, I can still vividly remember standing there, and I was probably like six or seven years old, of watching him. Like, when you watch someone who has this patient deliberateness, it allows you to breathe slower. It, slow, it, it slows everything down. And watching him or even experience this type of, of patient, ultra-focused deliberateness slows life down. For people who struggle to f slow down, this is a particularly needed spiritual gift. And like I said, spiritual gifts are given as a part of Christ's story of bringing the earth and humanity back into balance. And that's what the spiritual gift of craftsmanship can do. So if this is a gift you want to have or you want to explore, think about how you might exercise your craftsmanship to slow the world down. How might your gift help people stop and realize the beauty of the people and the world around them? And it might be wise to think about this in, in terms of pathways. I talked about this a few weeks ago, 
there, there's a rhythm we see in scripture that Jesus keeps. And we call it, in Restore, we call it up in out. Jesus has rhythms with up with God the Father. He has rhythms in, like with his followers. So that's the church community, other brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And he has rhythms out with people who are marginalized, judged, pushed aside, who don't know him. He, has, he keeps very intentional rhythms in all of these areas. So how might God be using your spiritual gift to bring these pathways into balance? How might it be leading into up, in, or out um, health? The shadow side of craftsmanship, because it's such a physical gift, it might be easy to get obsessed with the completion of the task of, or the pragmatism that comes with making something. Like, I just want to get it done. But you can't get lost in the function completion or practicality of this gift let god do what he wants to do with it all right it's not your identity it's a tool that he is trying to use so let him do something spiritual with your physical gift so on to the next one creative communication to teach and share spiritual truths in creative ways specifically ways like art film music photography dance graphic design people with this gift are particularly adept at appealing to the five senses So this type of gift can act as an agent of change in people's lives in a very holy and subversive way. I think about how creative communication has impacted my connection with God and the list. I just thought about it for like two minutes and the list quickly filled up. Like I think about the end of the movies like Field of Dreams, the Shawshank Redemption and how powerful those were for me spiritually. I think about the torture scene in The Passion of the Christ when I first saw that. I thought that it, it, was, it changed me. And I think about, um, like when I watch Carrie sing with Phil or with Henry, I love that. Like there's something that's special that happens. Watching Michael Jackson dance is incredible to me. Like look, seeing that on YouTube. Adulting Amy comics by Laura Stein. Like, whoa, look at that artistic gifting. Stand-up comedians. Like, all, like I could go on and on and on. People who have a gifting to communicate truth in a subversive creative way that's what creative communication is it's a naturally and i keep using this word subversive i'll I'll expand on that it's a naturally subversive ability to communicate truth it's truth truth communicated in such a creative way that it begins to rewire the way that people see the world and see others and that is how god's truth is meant to be shared there's not an ounce of manipulation or antagonism in the gospel. Anytime you see people talking about Jesus in a, an antagonistic or violent or manipulative way, that's not the gospel. That is not the spirit working, right? You see someone with a bullhorn in their hand on a street corner yelling about going to hell, not the gospel. That is not creative communication because there is not an ounce of antagonism or violence or manipulation in the kingdom. And when you have creative communication, gospel truth is meant to be shared in such a way in a powerless way, all right? The spiritual gift of creative communication powerlessly but magnetically communicates gospel truth. So if you have that gift, you have to think, how might God use this to rewire people's worlds in a subtle, under-the-radar kind of way? And the shadow side of the creative communication gift is that because it's designed to be so under-the-radar and powerless, The temptation for the creative is to grasp for power and notoriety. That's why you see a lot of creatives who you spend a few minutes with them. You're like, wow, they're narcissistic. Like it it can happen. We like anybody who's got that gift, seeking notoriety, feeding their own ego. That's the temptation 
of that spiritual gift to find an identity in creativity. But it's not an identity. It's a tool for, pe- for God to use in, in the hands of a minister to share Christ-like truth with people because people need it. They may not realize it, but they need it. They want it. When they get a taste of the kingdom shared the way it was meant to be shared, it's irresistible. So how might God be using your creative communication spiritual gift to bring balance to up, in, or out to those pathways, to that rhythm? The next gift is healing, to be used by God to make people whole or restore them physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It can be miraculous healing. It can also be, uh, can also be through knowledge of and application of like modern science and medicine. You might find yourself in the fields of healing prayer, intercessory prayer, medicine, science, psychology. Like if you're in one of these habits or these fields, you most likely have the gift, the spiritual gift of healing. And I've used this clip before, but it's truly a powerful example of a sp- the spiritual gift of healing. And I want to show it to you. It's really sobering. It's a young, um, malnourished Iraqi boy who is suffering from extreme PTSD from the effects of war. Just a young boy, and he's having a panic attack in a hospital. And then there's an Iraqi nun who comforts him, and you're going to see the healing effect is instantaneous. Spiritual gift of healing. Let's, let's watch this for a second. see the spiritual gift, the supernatural effect of her touch. And then I think about the fact that I'll bet the circumstances many times she thinks, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to see this kind of pain anymore. But when you have a spiritual gift of healing and you submit it to the communal good, God will use it in powerfully miraculous healing ways. So people who are in dire circumstances, physically, emotionally, spiritually, or mentally, they need someone willing to address their pain, to be in that pain with them. This person is the calm in the midst of the storm, all right? It's a person willing to lean into very serious circumstances as other people kind of freeze, as other people are like, I don't know what to say or do. So the shadow self 
that healers have to be wary of is I find that people with the spiritual gift of healing can sometimes gravitate to one particular method of healing. All right, and I have a tendency to do this with music. Like when I went to see the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, I listened to Queen nonstop for like three months, and then I got really sick of Queen. And we went to a Guster concert in February, and I've been listening to them nonstop. And Carrie's like, enough is enough. I can't handle any more Guster. That's what I do with music. But this is kind of what some people do with healing methods is they get stuck on one particular method of healing. Um, if you pray over others, are you, are you also encouraging them to seek help from the sciences from our, our counselor because it's a holistic journey for healing guide them towards those blessings if you're a scientist or in medical practice imagine the power of healing prayer intercessory prayer that with people that you engage in in those fields do you acknowledge and employ the power of prayer no matter what people might think the shadow side of healing is to depend on that one method. But when you look at Jesus, whenever he healed someone, he always used a different method. All throughout the Gospels, you see this happening, that healing should be diverse uh, and holistic. So how might God be using your healing spiritual gift? And if you're in one of those fields, like if you're in science or medicine, it might be like, oh man, I really need to open up to healing prayer and intercessory prayer. If you're really into prayer, you might need to open up to the power of science and medicine and, and creating this diverse, holistic spiritual gift and think about how might God be using my spiritual gifting in those areas to bring the world back into balance. And it might be like just your neighborhood, your marriage, your friendships. Maybe it's on a bigger scale, but we're called to participate in each one of those avenues. Um, and the last of the spiritual gifts for today, which was intentional because they're often unrecognized and thankless, but they, they are desperately needed, are the, the gifts of helping and service. I grouped them together because they're so similar. These are the behind-the-scenes gifts. Someone who thrives in the tasks that aren't prestigious and don't require exceptional skill. This is purely grunt work. People who just get stuff done. All right, You give them a task list, and you know they're going to be an animal, and they're going to knock that out. Like They're going to attack the stuff. They identify and proactively move towards undone tasks in God's work and they get after it, like classroom aides, assistant coaches, um, administrative assistants, parents, building maintenance. Like all, all of these are really sacred roles where stuff needs to get done and someone just has to do it. The shadow self of the helping and the service gifts would be they might have trouble acknowledging and accepting people who have less observable spiritual gifts. Like, People who are gravitate to helping and service might look at someone who's in like the, who's a creative and think, why are you just sitting around? What are you doing? Do something. Because they can't see the pragmatism or the, the, the completion of a task. So they have a tendency to maybe be judgmental towards other spiritual gifts or be jealous because they don't get the notoriety or the, 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 the um, popularity that some of the other gifts have. But how might, be God, how might God be using that spiritual gift of helping and service in the church? Like think restore, all right? Think uh, your family. Think about where God might be trying to exercise some spiritual gifting uh, with your helping and your service. So over the coming weeks, it's, uh, it might be good for you to take a spiritual gifts test. If you Google it, there's free ones everywhere. I don't think that's the greatest method to identifying it, but it'll help you maybe like realize some of the things. Um, 
I would also encourage you to ask those who are closest to you as we go through the series, like, hey, do you think I have any of these? People who know you well will be able to speak into what gifts God's given you. And of course, be thinking about how God is using your spiritual gifts to bring you and the church and others back into balance with the creator, because these are meant to be a blessing to everyone and to each other. They're meant to be acknowledged and they're meant to be shared. Let's pray. And then we're going to sing one more song.